Hello, welcome to the first episode of Decimation of Dragons, a Game of Thrones podcast about the television series House of the Dragon, the prequel to the Game of Thrones television series, both from HBO Max, uh, based off of Je- uh, George R.R. R. Martin's, uh, I guess, world and books. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. Glad to be back. Indeed. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Doing well. Excellent. And in the province of Alberta, Canada? It's Sean, and hope everyone's doing well. Indeed, indeed. All right, so uh, how this is going to go for folks who are listening to this podcast, and everybody's new to the podcast because this is the first episode. Uh, basically, we're here to discuss each episode of House of the Dragon, um, uh, you know, for season one, and review, dissect, and critique. So basically, it's full of spoilers, and basically, we're assuming everybody who's listening to this podcast specifically came to hear uh, opinions and critique on each episode of the season. So obviously, uh, we're not too worried about spoiling anything, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, Folks can find this podcast a number of ways. First, you can find it at DocDiscussions.com, which is the website where this podcast, among all the podcasts that your co-hosts that you hear on this podcast do, uh, including the Dark Discussions podcast, which is the first and original podcast of the network, which has been around since 2011. Uh, this feed also can be found uh, wherever podcasts are found, under a number of feeds, actually. Uh, it can be found under the Decimation of Dragons uh, feed. It can be found under You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast feed. It can be found under Dark Discussions podcast feed. And then, of course, as I mentioned, www.darkdiscussions.com, where every podcast of this show will be available as well. You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com and put in the subject, Dragons, and we'll know it's for this podcast specifically, and we will read your emails on the podcast. And you also can go to darkdiscussions.com and on the menu uh, line at the top of every page, there is a link which says contact us, which will also open up a mailbox and you can fill in the mailbox there. And again, just put dragons in the subject and press send and it will send us an email as well. All right. So that's pretty much uh, the house cleaning. Uh, The only other thing is that this is, August 23rd, 2022, that we're recording this. Um, we're trying to get each episode out uh, by the Wednesday after. So episodes uh, by HBO Max come out on Sundays, and we're going to try to get this episode out uh, no later than the Wednesday uh, for folks who are curious. Um, all right, so the show... Uh, is created by Ryan Condal and George R. R. Martin, where uh, the showrunner is uh, Miguel Sapochnik, uh, as well as Condal. Uh, Sapochnik is probably one of the better known directors 
of uh, Game of Thrones, the, the original series. Uh, he directed a number of episodes in that series. Uh, I think, uh, wasn't Battle of the Bastards one of his? I believe you're absolutely right. Yep, I believe you're absolutely right. He did a lot of the, the high-profile ones, no doubt about it. Um, this, this, the show stars a number of folks, uh, uh, not many names that I'm familiar with, but similar to the original series. Uh, a lot of that new actors or character actors and they became big stars because of the series. Uh, but the big name that I, I, I know is Patty Constantine, who uh, me and Barrett did a, a review on a film that he was in on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Views a couple of years ago. Uh, the Elmily Blunt film Summer of Love. He played um, the sibling of one of the protagonists in that film. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I so wonder he, why he, I recognize him. Yep, yep. And he's been in a number of films, too, including uh, uh, small roles in, in one of the Bond films and various other films. Uh, but, yeah, the, the one that me and Barrett would know him from is specifically Summer of Love, the Emily Blunt film, uh, which was Emily Blunt's debut. He looks so uh, different with that light hair. That's kind of why I was like, he looks familiar, but I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. When, when I, yeah, I the, was, yeah, go on, Mike. I was going to say, there's there's two that are on here that I know. The, the wigs are going to throw everybody off because, like, everybody's wigged up here. Um, and uh, oh, the, is, the Welsh guy, right? You know the Welsh guy, right? Oh, Olivia Cook too. I know Olivia Cook. The the main ones that I know, I mean, they they for any science fiction nerd, the uh, Matt Smith, Matt who Smith. is who played Doctor Who, and he played in The Crown, and he played. Uh, let me he was think. In Terminator he was in Genesis Term- too. Terminator Genesis, and he was recently in Morbius. So he's been in a lot of genre stuff unfortunately ever since Doctor Who most of his genre stuff has been terrible uh, but I think he makes a very punchable villain uh, he's played both good roles and bad uh, and then the other one I know is um, uh, Reese F- uh, Iffens Iffens I- I- pronounce his name Iffens uh, who plays Otto Hightower who was uh, the lizard in the amazing Spider-Man right that's true and he was in Notting Hill that's, that was the role that made him Break out, uh, but I also know Olivia Cook. Uh, Olivia Cook was in um, uh, that Psycho film, uh, TV show. Oh, what the hell was that called? Uh, Bates Motel. Bates Motel. Yeah, yeah. She played the, the girl that was friends with uh, Norman Bates. But oh, okay. I also know. Yep, yep. And she also was in Thoroughbreds, which is a really good uh, film from a couple of years ago. Um, that starred not only her, she co-starred her, but also uh, another uh, young actress that's been pretty popular recently, which is uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, it's a really good black comedy thriller. Uh, high recommend. Uh, could be an episode of Cinema a la carte, another podcast that myself and Mike do, along with a co-host that's not part of this podcast called Eric. Uh, and Eric loved this film as well, Thoroughbridge. But yeah, so I actually they're... own it, but I haven't watched it yet. So. Oh, oh, it's high recommend. It's really good. Which one is that? Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I missed you saying a different movie between that and Thoroughbreds. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. You well, for folks who are curious, uh, usually uh, I record from home, but right now I'm in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. I'm recording this from a laptop in a, a, my car, and I'm uh, also from my cell phone. So I'm recording from uh, a laptop in the car, and I'm speaking through a, my cell phone because uh, my family is in the hotel room, or I should say the inn, 
and uh, obviously I'm not going to disturb them. So uh, I think I do have enough battery power uh, for our recording tonight. And no, we'll, we'll talk to you things. next week. Yeah, no kidding, right? And you may hear a lot of noise in the background because uh, it's been uh, thunder and lightning and like downpours uh, for the past hour. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, so this is the weirdest place I've ever recorded a podcast. Um, all right, so that's pretty much the again the house meeting. So I guess we can get into our topic tonight. And uh, the first episode of the season was called "The Ears of the Dragon," uh, directed by M- Miguel Sapochnik and written by Ryan Condell. So basically, the two showrunners uh, got um, one of the what ten million people total viewers. But during its actual live broadcast, it was two point one seven. Um, but it's been getting a huge amount of viewership, uh, which shows that Game of Thrones is not dead, uh, even if it left some bad taste to some fans and some critics. Uh, maybe it's not as as uh, bad of a taste as, as people or critics have, have tried to, or the Twitter people have tried to uh, promote. But uh, we're here to talk about House of the Dragon. So I was going around and discussed uh, what we thought of the episode. So, uh, Let's start with you, Sean. Okay, well, I would say that this was a fantastic start. I know that there had been concern going in, uh, just what we might get. And I say if this is our first offering as a hint of what we will get, this brought us right back into what made Game of Thrones at its best, why you liked it or why I liked it. So from the music, from the story, the characters just... It was just, literally, I was getting chills throughout the episode. And one of the things I, before I forget, I I don't know if you guys listened to the end credit music, but it was the Game of Thrones intro theme, but done with a choral accompaniment. And, oh, it was so awesome. So... (laughs) And I was like, just even thinking about it, again, chills. So I was very, very happy with what ha- what they gave us. All right. And speaking of the music, uh, Ramin Tejwadi uh, returns from Game of Thrones uh, to do the House of the Dragon soundtrack as well. So uh, that may be one of the reasons why the music is, is fantastic, uh, because uh, he has returned. Uh, all right, so let's go to uh, Barrett. Yeah, I thought this episode was a good return to form. Um, it reminded me of the better episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, it just was, it felt solid. Um, it just, uh, it moved very well. The music was great, like Sean said. I don't think I can quite have the excitement in my voice that Sean had, but I do feel it. <laughs> so it, it was a very enjoyable uh watch for the first episode i hope they keep that up you never know but i think this is a good sign all right sounds good uh let's go with you mike yeah i like this quite a bit uh game of thrones was a combination of a lot of things um spectacle and sex and violence and political intrigue and this uh i think the the thing that was lacking in the later seasons of game of Thrones was the political intrigue um, where I think they kind of very much brought it back here. Uh, Some of the spectacle is going to be interesting to see how they do it because 
we have dragons, and we have dragons from the get-go, and it took Game of Thrones a while to get there. Uh, but we also don't have the White Walkers, and who knows if we're going to have anything from, like, the creatures from beyond the wall. So, uh, like the giants. Um, so I'll be curious to see where they go with this, but it, the, the political intrigue I am I am on board with right now. And uh, a lot of little little subtle or not so subtle callbacks to the first series, but nothing in a way that I think if you are new to the series, if you have some reason never seen Game of Thrones, I don't think it's anything that would necessarily cause you to be more lost than the rest of us were when we watched the very first episode of that series. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, first off, I would agree with Mike. Uh, if you have not seen Game of Thrones, uh, it won't hurt your viewing for this. Uh, because, again, this is a standalone series that's 200 years or 107 years prior to Game of Thrones. So none of the characters from the original series are in this. And uh, it, it shouldn't affect your viewership of our enjoyment of uh, what you're seeing. Um uh, I, we, we do know that uh, there was originally a Naomi Watts starring uh, a pilot that was going to take place uh, as well in the uh, prequel uh, that was going to have the White Walkers and the Night King and, uh, and all that stuff. Uh, unfortunately, that got nixed and they went with, with this show here. Um, not that that this show is, is bad by any means, but I mean, that, that was the first attempt. And now they went to the Targaryens. Uh, most likely because uh, dragons are, are uh, I guess, more interesting. Uh, well, I think me, part of the problem yeah. too, Phil, was that the like because it was based on the Long Night that the the originals one with Naomi Watts. But what happens is uh, George R. R. Martin only has written I think a few lines about the Long Night, and so basically these people would have been sort of like the next book. Yes, yeah, going on without yeah. actually having all of the information and so what happened is i think the the original pilot cost like 30 million dollars and they never even showed it to george r r martin and basically shelved it and realized that they needed to put all more of their eggs into this basket which is i think why they put more attention to detail and stuff and i think george r r martin's much more involved in this one and then whatever happens with the john snow john snow yeah that's uh, series 2 yeah. Gotcha. So, so, uh, Martin, uh, kind of was the one that nixed the long night. Well, he, well, he didn't even get to, it was, they basically shut it down because it was like, it was, you know how they heard you heard, I don't know if you guys heard about how the first pilot for the original game of Thrones was, was not accepted. Well, it yeah. this one was even worse. And that's why they basically, they, they never showed the pilot to George R. R. Martin. And they just basically shelved it and said, you know, threw away the $30 million and that was it. And we'll put her attention to House of the Dragon and the Jon Snow stuff. Gotcha. Which, in my opinion, is unfortunate because I, I was looking forward to Yeah, I the, wanted the, the long night, too, right? Me, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, if, yeah. if I had my brothers, that's the one I would have preferred. Yep. Yep. Same here. Um, so uh, to continue uh, my, my opinion of this episode. Um, yeah, for me... Um, I, I wasn't able to get the enjoyment as thoroughly as uh, the other three co-hosts uh, because, again, I, I was up on uh, vacation and uh, spotty reception here and there and two uh, young daughters 
and a wife that I, I needed to give a lot of my attention to while on vacation. Uh, so as a result, um, uh, I, I probably didn't get the full effect of the episode as everybody else here. Uh, but what I did see uh, was pretty, pretty good. Uh, it was uh, most certainly um, games of throny. Uh, it actually felt like it was the same error. And uh, which is oddly uh, one of the reviews I read today uh, was one of the, the negatives about this, this series is that they said that it seems like the same clothing, the same everything from the original and not like 200 years prior, uh, which you would think things would be a little different um, though. That didn't bother me. I, I can understand why it may have affected some critics, uh, but generally uh, I like the show. Um, and it was, uh, pretty good. And, and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, watching the rest of the season as well as talking about it, uh, with, uh, the co-hosts here and, uh, for you listeners to, uh, hear our thoughts. Uh, I do have we- one c- comment about that. The, the would have thought the dress dressing would change. I mean, it is medieval times. There's only so much fashion that would change. Um, and it's 200 years, I know, but. I don't know. It didn't really bother me that yeah, much. There, there, there weren't people in the 1540s looking at someone and going, oh, my God, that outfit is so 1520s. Um, it, it's it's just a matter of we're used to that. But there are definitely periods of stagnation, both cultural and technological stagnation in human history on Earth. And I'm sure if I understand correctly, I don't think this is a spoiler um, you kind of are going to hit this period of stagnation following this storyline, right? Because it's kind yep. of the downfall of the House of the Dragon um, or the, the the war between the House of the Dragon. You, you get the, the idea that when you pick up Game of Thrones, that is not the uh, the world at its best. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I think that's that's being a little nitpicky. Did anyone perchance get a feeling that uh, at the end when they were doing the uh, the scene for Rhaenyra where she kind of had like an Anne Boleyn, Elizabeth I vibe? Okay, I could see that. Okay, just I'm overthinking right, my, my grasp, <laughs> My grasp of European history is kind of thin. Okay. Uh, so because uh, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, we never quite got to that. Um and we are American. We no, it's not because American. It's because my uh, uh, my supposed to be teacher had a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> that, that can that can be unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, uh, I mean, I picked up bits and pieces along the way, and I, I've certainly seen some things relating to like the, the whole Tudors and um, Henry the Eighth and and so forth. But um, but yeah, I could certainly see that her being sort of an Anne Boleyn type. Sure. Um, um, now, curious, uh, does anyone know how old that actress is? Uh, I know they they hide these things on on the on the uh, internets, but I just completely forgot to check. Uh, what's the character's name again? Uh, Rihanna. Rhaenyra. 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 Uh, yeah, I gotta figure out. I think uh, it's Millie Alcock. Is the the actress? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, no, she plays portrays the young. Uh, it's Emma D'Arcy who plays the older one. But we and watched Emma, the young one. 
Well, no, well, Emma Diasi is pretty young too. She's thirty, um, and the the real young one, the one that plays the the, which is Millie Alcock, uh, she's twenty two. I'm guessing that's her then. Yeah, that's yeah, her. her. Yeah, because I mean, she seemed because I couldn't tell if she like this, you know, if she was supposed to be like fifteen or just a very young looking. Right. Like twenty something. Um, I'm guessing that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be James R. R. Martin or George R. R. Martin. Uh, a lot of his characters are like fourteen, fifteen years old in his books, but they aged them up for the television series uh, to twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, as 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 we know, uh, as Arya and, and Sansa from the prior, and and, and Daenerys for that matter, from the prior uh, show were all supposed to be young t- teenagers and, and the actresses that played them were all uh, older teenagers or in their 20s and by the end of the series were all in their mid-20s if not older so um, and it makes sense because obviously this type of scenes that children would be in shouldn't be in uh, even if historically uh, children were married or, or whatever at the age of 14 like my grandmother she was married when she was 16 I think uh, on my mother's side but again, nowadays, you know, that that's unheard of. And to have young people in those type of roles on a television series would, would, would probably not be appropriate. Um, so who knows? So, I, yeah. So is Millie Alcock the one that was in this whole episode? Yes, she's the one because who plays young get, Vernera. Okay, that's what I was wondering. She seems to get credit in like all the episodes when I look in IMDb, so it's really all right, confusing. If that's the case. If, if, if 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 that's the case, then maybe they're going to be doing a, a jump in time type of thing. Like that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, especially since uh, at least on Wiki, Emma Diarcy, who plays the the 30 year old version, um, she is listed as um, higher in the credits. But again, you know, Wiki, who knows about them? Yeah, they don't show her in 1.1. They show her in 1.2. So perhaps we'll be getting backflashes with the younger version. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Or they're just going to jump 10 years in in time, pretty much, maybe in even next episode, if if 1.2, then the older actress is already in it. I'd seen one. one, reviewer made a comment about the age of the king and the queen at uh, the king the queen the king and his sister that they were supposed to be i guess in the going by the books they were supposed to be like in their early not in their early 20s like their late 20s so um at this period but then aged up pretty quickly and they're clearly not in their 20s in this um so you know, we'll see. I, I have a feeling they're playing around a little bit with the ages, but if I understand correctly, and I've not read the books, uh, this is dealt with very thinly in the books, right? This is like a, a couple of chapters in, a, in, in one tome, so there's a lot of room for them to sort of improvise and tweak. Uh, I haven't read this particular well, book. I've read everything else, all the other Game yeah, of Thrones. Well, uh, yeah, basically, I have this book, A Fire and Blood, uh, is the book, and it's kind of like the Similarian for by Tolkien, so it's more of a, like a, a, a like almost like a textbook type of thing. And uh, this series is supposed to be based off of I think the second half of the book, 
And so it's going to be, you know, like if you read a book about D-Day, it's going to be something like that where they're, where they're talking about, you know, it happened here on the beach and the soldiers fought, uh, lined up here or there, you know, that type of stuff. It's not kind of like In Cold Blood by Truman Capote, which is a nonfiction book that's written like it's a novel. So it's it's kind of more textbooky. So, yeah, Mike, Mike you kind of write about uh, how they can be change it up a bit or, or add detail. You know, it's almost like a screenplay where you take a screenplay and it says uh, the guy walks into the room and that's all it says. And then they can make it, you know, with a, a purple couch or whatever, you know. A sword uh, fight ensues. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and uh, they did play with the timeline too because King Jaharis wasn't at the council that we watch in 101. Oh, there, there's a number of changes, yeah, including so. the, the birthing scene, which is the, is the big uh, uh, issue that people are talking mm-hmm. on social media, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but I do want to bring up uh, the, it's getting 83% on Rotten Tomatoes by 459 reviews, which Oddly, uh, we all here do a She-Hulk podcast uh, on that television series called She-Hulk uh, Avenger of the Law, the podcast, Marvel podcast. And we mentioned on that episode that we recorded a couple of days ago that She-Hulk had 380 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. That seems like the largest amount of reviews any of us ever has seen for one uh thing whether movie or tv show on rotten tomatoes well this one here uh, this house of the dragon has a hundred more than that so uh, a lot of people are coming out of the woodworks in the past couple of months that have made usual 150 to 200 reviews on rotten tomatoes be nothing uh so from my knowledge at least for me personally it may not be true but at least for me personally 459 is the largest i've ever seen for anything on rotten tomatoes so it's got uh it's got very high profile as we as we obviously would think right and like for uh, comparison and other comparisons we just finished bullets brothels and bots a westworld podcast uh after westworld's fourth season and that was doing what 300 400 views an episode something like that overnight yeah Yep. Now that was not taking into account the um, people who streamed it later, uh, but you said that was what two million, over two million. Yeah. So for all the people, and there was concern, and I was certainly I I, I had it, I shared it. Uh, so many people walked away from. Well, let me rephrase that. So many online people walked away from Game of Thrones, like very uh, disillusioned uh, with that series, sort of like, I guess, what happened with Lost. But I was curious how much interest there really was going to be in, a number one, a spinoff, number two, or a prequel, number three, a prequel that does not feature any of the characters that we know. And for it to get $2 million on the first night and then $10 million over the weekend, $10 million is a huge number for something on uh, even that's on like NBC, let alone something that is on a pay cable service. I think it was HBO's highest ever premiere. Well, th- this is interesting, uh, and this is what comes from Wiki. And again, Wiki is crapola usually, in my opinion. Uh, but it is has a reference from Variety, 
So this wiki link is, is directly from an article on Variety. And again, take what you think of Variety and what your opinion of them is. But I'm going to read it anyway because it, it is interesting whether or not uh, it's partially true or fully true or not true at all. But it says, yeah, the day following the series premiere, HBO claimed the episode had been viewed by an estimated 9.99 million viewers in the U.S. on its first night of availability, including both linear viewers, which is what Mike was just talking about, and streams on HBO Max, which are the folks that would VOD it after the fact, uh, uh, which HBO said was the largest single-day viewership for a series debut in the service's history. And I'm assuming... HBO or HBO Max, uh, you know, because they, they are one in the same uh, with one exp- just an expansion of the original. However, this claim has not been verified by a third party such as Nielsen, which only tabulates viewership for HBO's linear channel, which means those who watched it during its actual broadcast, whether they started it right from the beginning or they jumped in like 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 30 minutes after it started. The size of the audience during the show's premiere caused HBO Max to crash for some users uh, and a, a website or, or company down detector reported 3,700 instances of the application not responding. So take what you want from that, but uh, it's possible. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but but Variety an industry, is an industry mag. Uh, whatever you may think of other aspects of it, it's going to be pretty reliable when reporting actual news and numbers because, that, again, that is what the industry is looking at, um, or it should be. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and then also, um, even and as you mentioned, Mike, you know, the online people, meaning like Twitter or whatever – uh, and they were the ones that were poo-pooing uh, the ending of the original series. Again, that's just a, a, a small and vocal minority of people, because as we know, Twitter is very vocal, but most people don't use Twitter. So, it, Twitter, it, social it, media in general, right? The people that are talking about Game of Thrones on Facebook in like or Twitter or Reddit in dedicated. Uh, forums, those tend to be the most diehard of the diehard, and they're also going to generally be the hardest ones to uh, to appease. Yes, yes. And, and to be honest, they're, they're probably, honestly, even if they are the diehards, they're probably the most unreliable, because again, um, a lot of people are huge fans of Marvel, or Lord of the Rings, or DC or Game of Thrones or Star Wars or whatever, but they aren't like to the point of like uh, that's their life. Like the, the handful of folks that you're talking about that would be using Reddit or, or whatever that would, you know. So I mean, we're all fans of that stuff, but we all have other hobbies and interests as well. So uh, and not to poo poo this Uber fans because I, I would say me. And Mike, you know, we did a podcast on Game of Thrones, so you could argue that we're Uber fans. Uh, but that, but again, we're, we're we weren't like crazy uh, on the internet talking about it to the point where we would get in arguments like some folks would say on other social media. Um, uh, also, I, I I mean, for me, I'm not married to the material, um, so I haven't read the books. I 
I don't really care if the the show follows the books or not. I don't know if Barrett or uh, Sean feels that way. I'm I'm more interested in seeing what does the show do, how does it pull that off. Uh, and I'm going to be more critical than casual viewers, but I'm not going to be like obsessing over every detail in the same way that the people who have read the book seven times have. And again, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that's my my I, angle. That's my yeah. I try it. not to do that. I mean, I've I've not read this the book. This is based off of, but I read the Game of Thrones books. And where I actually disliked the most was where it diverged the most from the books, where there was no book material. Um, and I just think that was because some it's, of it was not well scripted. It's coming any day now. Any day. Yeah. Any day, the next book. <laughs> any, any day, day. yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, there are things I didn't like about The Lord of the Rings that they made changes of from the books, but – I understand that some changes have to be made. There's some that make me go, huh, why did they do that? They didn't need to. And, you know, I'll never understand it. And those are things that I think suck, but there's nothing I can do about that. So I may bring it up, but I'm not going to, like, you know, lambast the whole show because of one thing I don't like. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, we, we all have love for source material. Uh, all of us here did a podcast on Halo, uh, which was called Cortana's Communique, the Halo podcast, uh, based off the television series uh, Halo on Paramount+. Plus. And um, some of us were more familiar with the source material than others. And um, we heard from many uh, critiques on the internet uh, some of the anger of the changes um and I, i'm pretty much an uber fan of halo uh but um it did not i guess bias me whether or not i would like the halo tv series and i think that's what we, we're we're going to be doing here we're not going to be um like uber upset uh and i keep on using the word uber so i apologize but i think mike summed it up perfectly which is um yeah, we want, we just want to make sure that there's a good series here, especially since we may not be familiar uh, with the the book this one is based on. Like I said, I have the book, but I haven't read much of it. Uh, but it is a nice little book. Actually, it's a huge book um, to display on my bookcase next to my Game of Thrones uh, novels. Uh, and again, the book is called Fire and Blood by George R. R. Martin. And it's supposed to be part one of a two-book series of the history of uh, Westeros and, and whatnot. Um, all right, so uh, obviously we can talk about the plot, uh, the characters. Um, we'll, we'll bring up a little bit about one of the controversial scenes, which I think um, has, has been talked about in almost every publication I've seen in the past three days, including uh, such uh, or, uh, places as New York Post, uh, Boston Globe, you know, you know, just name any newspaper. It, they, someone's talked about it. Um, and we'll talk about that scene. But we'll, we'll talk about generally everything. And again, we're spoiling everything because anybody who's listened to this podcast most certainly is listening to it because they already saw the episode and they want to hear other people talk about it. Um, all right, so where, where do we want to start? What, what do we want to do? Um, well, we can start just with the opening sequence. I mean, not we don't have to go chronologically, but yeah, I just thought sure. the opening sequence of going in and having uh, Rhaenyra, you know, flying over 
and getting you getting to see the first look at the red keep and like having the scott scaffolding and stuff to show that it's like still being built and then to actually see what the dragon pit actually looked like as oh, opposed and John, to the runes oh, and, John, to see, and to see heron hall uh not as a ruin. standing yeah yeah but I just even just like I liked how they, you know, kind of did the shout out to, you know, how Danny went and destroyed the city when she flew over uh, King's Landing. And this time you say Renera just like doing it. Everything has like a more positive vibe initially, because, you know, pretty much when you look at the, the Red Keep throughout Game of Thrones, it's ominous. There's a lot of negative energy about it, whereas this earlier version we're seeing seems to have a more positive energy you know until things hit the fans so to speak so i just thought that was kind of a nice way to start yeah i, I would concur with that uh again if we look at it uh everything looks more beautiful from a bird's eye view right you know i mean new york yeah. city is beautiful if you look at it as a silhouette or, or if you look at it from the sky and then as you get closer and closer and closer you start seeing things like homelessness and, and dirty streets and garbage and litter and, and the smells and whatever. And um, we saw a lot of that in Game of Thrones. Um, and then, of course, the ominous presence of many of the characters who wanted that city from Cersei's to uh, 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 Danny and on and on. It... it um, yeah, it was definitely, you know, tainted. While here, uh, with that opening sequence, from the bird's eye view, from a, what appears to be a more positive character than some of the people who wanted the city uh, in Game of Thrones, uh, I would concur with everything you said, Sean. Uh, and, and again, it's 200 awesome years talk, earlier, too. It's yeah. 200 years uh, earlier, too, right? But it was just like, as I say, for a person like myself who's very much into the dragon aspect, getting to see a dragon in the, you know, well, you get to see a couple dragons in the first episode, getting to see the actual dragon pits and getting to understand, you know, a better understanding of like just how big that place was, as opposed to the runes that we see 170, you know, 172 years later, I thought was really nice, so... Yeah, the the whole thing actually reminded me a bit of the Star Wars prequels in that when they first started, the idea was to show a cleaner universe, right? That this is before there was a war and before there was rebellion, and it was a time of peace and prosperity, so everything was a bit more shiny, where Star Wars universe was known for being more worn and lived in. And so that definitely had that feel here. Um, and Phil, you mentioned Harren Hall in Game of Thrones. Harren Hall had been destroyed, had been decimated by dragons. And so like the spires had been melted and, um, you know, that and that is a significant setting in the second season of Game of Thrones. Um, and by the way, I there are so many names of places and people, it's really easy for someone to lose track of, even if they had seen the Game of Thrones. So uh, yep. we may bring that up from time to time just as a touchstone. And if you're already familiar with it, just bear with it. Um, I, I do want to say, Sean, you remember there was the one difference, though, is there was a prologue here, which I think helped. Yeah, so uh, I didn't need to jump over that part, but it, I just, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. Well, my thing with Game of Thrones originally and people who have been a long-time listener to the Dark Discussions podcast 
uh, will may may remember this story, and if so, God help you. Um, I had watched the first season of Game of Thrones, and then I'd gotten sick, and my wife had gone away for the weekend for a poker tournament, so I just kind of rewatched it over the course of a weekend, the first season. And I liked Game of Thrones the first time, but the second time I liked it a lot more because I actually knew what the hell was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, Game of Thrones... I remember. Oh, Mike, I was just going to interject. I remember when we were talking about Game of Thrones the first season, and I was asking, I didn't even know who the hell Theon was the first time I watched. And I was trying to, and you had to explain it to me when we were talking about it on one of our podcasts because that was an episode that we did the entire season in one episode. And right. And then after I rewatched it, like you did, I said, like, OK, now I understand who Theon is and I understand who this person is. So I'm sorry to interject, but I, I, I just wanted to concur and agree with your point. But continue. No, there's all sorts of little things. I've watched this episode twice. There's little things that I picked up on. Uh, like the first time through, you're getting plot points, right? You know, what happened? Who is going where? Who is doing what? Second time through, you start picking up little bits of history, you start picking up who's allied with whom, you know, you're getting a better grip on who the characters are, especially in the, the pilot. But the first Game of Thrones, it's just, it's just pushes you in and lets you sort of immerse yourself in that world and you learn it as you go. And they'll make reference to things that aren't significant until, you know, many episodes, if not many seasons later. And then on rewatches, you'll pick up on these little threads. I think this seems to be more user friendly, but admittedly, all of us have watched Game of Thrones. All of us are familiar with the universe and that may make it easier. But having that opening segment um, to sort of set up the power play between the uh, the, the two factions of the, of the uh, at the, least the Targaryen family yeah uh, and within the Targaryen family is very useful and was I found and was helpful and I also like that when they cut to the first scene you know they then say it is now the year 101 or 127 whatever it is 172 years before blah 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 and it's like and then all the words fade out and all you that's left with is was uh, 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen which is really what anyone who'd watched Game of Thrones originally needs to know that's right, right. it's like okay for Absolutely. our casual fans this is it boom we're here we're set and nobody who's watching this for the first time and has never seen Game of Thrones needs to know who Daenerys Targaryen is needs to worry about it there is a problem that comes that I had with it at the end of the episode, but we'll get to that later uh, be, because it does reveal a plot point that I hope nobody thinks is going to get resolved in this series because it was basically just connecting it to Game of Thrones. Sure, sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of actually reminded me, even though it wasn't a, a battle scene, it kind of reminded me with the voiceover and whatnot, similar to Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings, uh, the first film, where he talks about Sauron creating the seven rings for the humans and on and on and on. And it was a little prologue, and it kind of sets you up, and then boom, you, you just go right into the story. Um, and that kind of did that here, too. And like you said, Mike, uh, you don't need to know anything about Game of Thrones uh, otherwise. And such as things like we mentioned here where Heron Hall it looks new and the dragon pits look new and all these other things. Um, 
you, you don't even need to know the history of what happens in the next 170 years to those places. Um, because again, uh, this, this can be, I think based off of, besides that one thing you're talking about, Mike, uh, is pretty much a, a standalone, uh, series just in the same universe, you know? So, um, so I, I would concur. Um, all right, so uh, where else do we want to go from here? What, what do we want to talk about? Um, talk about well, the diverse characters. Yeah, I think actually what's useful, again, if someone's going through this, it's going to be helpful to lay out who the characters are, at least the main characters, um, because this is there's going to be a lot of political machinations in this. These are You're going to be watching a chess game. It's going to be useful to know who the pieces are, why they're important, and what their relationships right. are to each other. Well, and, and you know what, Mike? I, I think it, even with that, we're we're gonna probably going to have, like in Game of Thrones, we're just going to have characters that appear out of nowhere that are suddenly part of the main cast um, in, in later in this season, too, right? So, But for at least for this episode here, we can we can most certainly figure out at least who starts to be as as the main cast, right? Right. So the the two principal the two kings on the opposing side of the chessboard, I think, right now would be uh, Vesteris, who's the king, and his sister uh, Renya Reneris. Yeah, Reneris. Uh, yeah, Reneris. Yeah. I rain, so, yeah. rain, 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 isn't it rain, 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 isn't it the granddaughter? It, well, she's she she's uh, Viserys's sister. So right, but but my my point is is that the king that in the prequel, I mean in the pre-credit scene or whatever you want to call it, um, doesn't have any children left, and so he has to choose from his grandkids. I think. Okay. Well, regardless, it's whoever is old. These are his two oldest heirs. His oldest yeah. heir is female. His his next oldest heir is male. He goes with the male because that's the universe that they live in. And again, in any sort of a, a culture like this, where you have you have to have a clear line of succession, or everything goes to hell when the king eventually dies. Um, there has never been a female leader. There's ever been a queen sitting on the Iron Throne, which is the great throne of swords, forged centuries ago, and that's a whole other thing. Um, which, so, as a break-in on that, that throne looked cooler than I remember it in Game of Thrones. It's, yeah, they made a change. Cause, oh, go ahead. It's bigger. Oh, definitely giant. bigger. All those dragon giant. bones around it and stuff it looked like. Yeah, I don't know. Because initially, the, the actual throne was supposed to be uh, taller, and they actually adjusted it for the first series. And so then they're trying to kind of get it closer to what it is in the books. Because it's supposed to be right. actually a higher throne and you actually walk steps of swords to get to it. Fair enough. Yeah, and this so, it looked like there were lots of bones of dragons around it. And then, you know, as you walked up to it. Sure. So, Mike, so... 
Right, so then the Viserys has a queen uh, who is pregnant, and I lost the name of the queen. Emma. Emma. And a daughter, and that daughter is Rhaenyra. And Emma had had, I think it was five different pregnancies that did not end well, whether it was in a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or died in the crib. Yeah. Um, and so the one that she's having right now, she tells him, this is, this is it. This is the end. And since Renera is a daughter, she is not likely to inherit the throne. He has a, uh, brother. Is it his brother? Yeah, yeah his brother, brother yeah. Damon. Damon. Damon is his brother, played by Matt Smith. And he is, is set up at the moment of the, as the obvious villain with his own designs on the throne. Um... And he's and, currently and the those, heir, the heir, right? He's the, the, yeah, he's considered the, the currently the, the heir, orc. right? Yeah. And those are the five main characters at this point in the series, and Otto, I would argue. Well, and then you get now to to allies. For example, Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King, his chief advisor, um, is playing some games and is a rival with trying to win favor and perhaps maneuver his daughter. Uh, Allison, who is Rhaenyra's best friend, to maybe be a potential future queen. Um, you have uh, Lord Carlos, Corlys, Corlys, yep, who is I think the Flareon. master of ships, who is also in the, the 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 small council, and he is the husband of uh, of Rhaenys. And may, and as already speaks at one point in favor of um, Damon, so because they're friends, uh, right? Because right. they're well, friends, and, and also so. uh, he's like one of the big shots of the Valerian family, which is like an extinct family in Game of Thrones, but was like huge back in those days. And they were the ones that that do the Valerian steel that we're so familiar with. If you follow, if you've seen the original series. And so with him marrying a Targaryen, uh, bringing the two families together, a Valerian and a Targaryen, and he's choosing Daemon, then that that can most certainly is, is a wedge, whether he's going to be malevolent or not. I don't know, but but obviously he's, he's picking a side of what we're already assuming is villain, right? Right, and Corliss stands out because he's black, and he's black with a shock of white hair. And the mate, and I don't know if he's black in the series or if the family's black in the books. Uh, but uh, no, does, they're, they're supposed in the books. If I'm not mistaken, they are supposed to be as blonde as and white as the Targaryens. And so this okay. is a, this is a, a, a change. Uh, though they during the uh, an actor that's part of the, I guess the Commonwealth of Nations. So he has a, a thick, you know, English sounding accent or whatever, like like all the rest of the people on this show. So oddly, to me. Yeah, I mean, obviously you see that he's black and, and he has a, that white thing like like uh, Anna in in Frozen, but he he oddly fit in quite well. Not oddly, but he he most certainly fit in quite well with all the other characters, just for the fact that he felt so. Uh, I guess uh, well, the, the only European, reason I bring, even though he's from Barbados, I believe the actor. But oh, go on. Yeah. The only reason I bring that up is because when we go to the tournament, there are two younger people sitting in the front of the stands who are also black with white hair. And I have a feeling uh, that they are 
his children or their children. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I they yeah. probably will be. I would not be surprised if we see more of them later, but they are just blinking in the background. And, and maybe maybe the the shot of of like bleach white hair is is a wink to the fans of the book who uh, were, were surprised to see uh, a person of a different, uh, I guess. Uh, race playing the, the the Valerian family and, and it's also it's also a distinct combination that gives you that visual cue because that's a big thing in Game of Thrones was the uh, yes. the, the appearances of the families right and that's yeah, a yeah. Final plot point in the very first season is which family has which hair color exactly most certainly yeah and that could be the same case here why 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 it's in and they have the shock the shock of white hair yeah so that's a fair point like yep. Um, well, not just the shock of white hair, but also dark skin to separate them from the other Targaryens, who are, as they mentioned in the, in, the, in the show, are the only ones who ride the dragons. And they don't, they, they just briefly touch on the fact that they also tend to like to keep everything within the family. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. 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 And by by everything I mean the penises and vaginas. They like to keep that with it. Yeah, family. yeah, uh, incest. And and we're not talking third, fourth, or fifth cousins like you know the the you know uh, what was it a uh, uh, the queen of France during the revolution. Uh, I forget her name, Marie Antoinette, who was actually German or Russian or something. But but and, oh, and, and like in World War One, the Kaiser of Germany was actually the fourth cousin of the the King of England and the and the, the Tsar of Russia. So so yeah, there's a lot of intermingling uh, to keep the blood as is. As we know, um, uh, Kate Middleton uh, for England is is the first quote unquote uh, I guess modern person to be in the royal family as a commoner because back in the days, as as we know, right prior to even that marriage. Uh, Charles was was forced to marry people that of, of royalty or stock who oddly were like his fifth, tenth, or twelfth cousin. Uh, well, um, you know that's a new thing that Kate Middleton isn't, or Meghan Markle for that matter. So here they're doing most certainly what the Europeans used to do, right, Mike? Which is keep everything in the family, and in this case, not just an extended family, but with other nations, but literally in the exact same family. Because the whole idea is keeping your blood pure. Well, yeah, I mean, all the pure. kingdoms of Europe were like that. <laughs> they yeah. were all related in some way. And we saw how it all degenerated after right. because of that. So. <laughs> yes, it's not just for West Virginia, folks. <laughs> hey, 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 West Virginia's are But I know about what Mike's talking about. Um, the <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so those, those are the main characters, plus... A couple of characters that weren't necessarily main. I know, like like we just mentioned, Lord Corliss was, was had some major scenes, but but obviously his screen time wasn't as big as the other five characters that you mentioned, Mike. And same with uh, uh, the Otto too. His his character had some major scenes, but he wasn't on the screen like all the others. Uh, but but with those five leads plus the handful of characters we just mentioned, Otto and Corliss, uh, I think we got our first main group of characters for the next few episodes anyway. Um, 
All right. And that was a good setup, Mike, you know, because like you said, you know, we kind of know who the villain is. We kind of know what the, the plot of this whole season is going to be. It's basically going to be, uh, and, and, and even in the beginning of the episode, it says families, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quote in front of me, but families uh, are ended or are destroyed from internally, not externally. Yeah, and, she's talking about how the only thing that can bring down the, the house Targaryen is Targaryen. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's what this season's going to be all about. Yeah, because that's the whole point of the Civil War. Yeah, one thing I will say I liked as a fan of Game of Thrones is did you notice which families were almost entirely absent? <clears throat> we got the Stark uh, uh, appearance. We did have... A, you have a Stark making a momentary appearance pledging yeah. field. We have the Baratheons. But there's no Lannisters. No Lannisters that we saw. No, yeah, that right. is interesting. Which are the which are really two of the main families for most of, of Game of Thrones. There's the Targaryen off Daenerys doing her own thing, but most of the, the, the political game is uh, the Starks versus the Lannisters. So I thought it was interesting that they have just completely bypassed them. You do have a Baratheon who's significant. You have a Dondarian. Uh, who uh, are someone who's pledged to the Dondarian family? Uh, Dondarian was the uh, Barak Dondarian is the guy with the the, eye, the priest with the eye patch and the flaming sword in the in the uh, Game of Thrones. So that family's there, and also Tarly, you know, for uh, Samwell. Uh, there's yeah. Tarly's there, so you do see a lot of names. And like for example, the Stark that we see is Rickon Stark, who I assume is Rickon the Builder, who is mentioned in. Uh, in Game of Thrones, and you see a lot of recycling of names uh, in very different contexts. So, for example, Viserys is the name of one of the Targaryens in the first season of Game of Thrones, and um, because and it's names that sound similar or, or if not outright used again. Um, and, and yeah. that's a thing, right? And that makes sense, right? Just like you, you, you have King Henry VIII, and the reason you have King Henry VIII is because he was this, the, the seventh sequel to King Henry I. Um, you know, that you're right. going to see a lot of these names recycled in their history, and it's a nice well, touch. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, two things I want to bring up based off of that. The first is when Sam Charlie mentions at the last episode of Game of Thrones, he says that we should let people vote for leadership and everybody laughs at them. And that shows that, you know, these families basically have had power for hundreds of years. And in this case, we see a number of families that were lords, uh, if not princes and kings for hundreds of years based off of those uh, name drops. And then, uh, as, as we know in Europe, and you mentioned, you know, King Henry and all that, you know, the, at least in the English um, or the United Kingdom, you know, the Windsors or the Stuarts or whatever, those families lasted for hundreds of years, you know, and, and, you know, the Windsors have been around for now a good, I don't know how many centuries. And then before them, it was the Stuarts and they only dissolved because, uh, they had to find someone else to take over because uh, again, similar to, you know, uh, they didn't have a, uh, uh, a person to take over, so they had to find someone else, and it happened to be a Windsor, and that Windsor, and now that family's been around for hundreds of years. So, and then you had like uh, the battle with the Lancasters and the Yorks before, and then the the Angevins before that. Yeah, so so this kind of is following a lot of that uh, culture, and I think George R. R. Martin kind of admitted, similar to Tolkien, that he based certain families off of certain uh, nations of Europe. 
so for example, um, you know, the, the Ronins and Tolkens were supposed to be Norwegians, you know, here, like, like, uh, uh, the one that Pablo, uh, who's the guy that got his head crushed by the, the mountain. What, what's his name? The Viper. Yeah. What was his name? Though? Oh, was it the Sands? Those are the bastards. Yeah. Martells. Yeah, yeah. Those Martells were supposed to be based off of like Spain or something. And, and then the, the the Sands were supposed to be based off of like Greeks or something. I don't know. So there, I think um, that, that, you know, that that's, that's kind of why I think we see so many similarities with Game of Thrones in the history. And the Lannisters, like, always got the sense we're French in the... Yeah, Stark, yeah. English or yeah. Scottish. Yep. Yeah, um. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Baratheons were like Krauts or, or Germans, if you prefer, or something. I don't know. But it, so you can get generally get the idea um, how this world can kind of like got got its basis from, I guess, things that George R. R. Martin either studied or, or was familiar with or, or enjoyed as a hobby, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna." based all these people off of you know those those things that he likes or those things that he knew of and such um let's see what else uh do we got uh we want to go where do we want to talk what do we want to talk about next uh we talked about general where that it's going a, a civil war i mean it was pretty much laid out right from the beginning so it's no surprise uh like we said we already have the brother of the king already doing machinations of, of setting himself up to be able to take over if his brother doesn't have a male heir. Um, well, I was going to say, we have the two great scenes of the, um, the fighting and the birthing at the same time, which I thought yep. was great how they went back and forth um, from the jousting to the, uh, the baby being born and both are really harsh, <laughs> both harsh. scenes. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the baby being born was uh, a huge change from the book. Supposedly the book supposedly said that she just died in childbirth and there was no cesarean or any of that or decision by the King. Um, it was just bad luck, but here they, they made it obviously, Way um, more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the point where some people felt it was inappropriate or worse than some of the worst things we saw in the original Game of Thrones, or, or just well, let me not say worse, but d- disturbing things from the original Game of Thrones. Well, now whether or not that's fair, you know, that depends on whether or not you you like the book or not. We saw people. But- we saw people maimed and mutilated and castrated in Game of Thrones. We saw people raped and murdered. Um, as things go, this yeah. is not the abs- this is this is this is. I'm not saying this was not bad. Um, I did see. I don't know if anybody watched the behind the scenes at the end of the episode. I did. Um, they they did say she was that she was going to die one way or another. The question was whether or not to save the child. Yeah. So. I don't think they did a good job of making that clear if that was their intent uh, in the episode, because it basically the, 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 the maester uh, who were their advisors uh, says um, we can save, we, we can only save one. And so the implication is he has to choose between his wife and the, and the child. Yeah. Uh, and he chooses the child. I also understand 
if and if anyone under, you know if you're paying attention to the politics of it the reason why he would do that because again the need to have a clear line of succession if another child dies this may be his last chance to have a male heir um he does not like look like he's going to go uh like you know executing his wife or, or or divorcing his wife so he can get a younger wife to have another shot at a male heir so I can understand that, especially if the choice is your wife is going to die anyway. Do we try to save the child? So they try to do a cesarean section. Uh, and I, I understand it's not right. I, I modern. Guess the, 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 Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I guess I guess the issue was that they made it more dramatic in the TV show than what George R. R. Martin wrote in the book. And therefore, it's controversial. I'm okay with that change. Yeah, I'm okay with that change. I mean, it's not like it changes. It changes maybe how you view some of the characters, but I don't think it does it in a bad way. It just makes it a little more dramatic, and it answers more than the book did. Um, I don't think as a scene it is more rough than all the people killing each other at the end of the jousting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think you know what it is. I think it's because it's a gender thing, and and gender, especially in the modern age, versus just people dying in films, is not yeah. a big deal because everybody dies in films. So, and, and Hollywood is probably the most violent. You know, you, you, we all know what it is. So, it's probably the gender thing, and also I think for the folks who are also familiar with the book, it makes King Viserys look more. Uh, less or let me rephrase less empathetic and 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 cowardly and maybe uh, that's my own word oh i don't I'll feel that at that. all all right we'll take away that cowardly word but what what it was he's, it, he's it, in it, so it, much it, pain it, making it, that decision i'm not again i'm not saying that's what any of us think i'm just saying what some of the critics have said and again i think it's more because it's the gender thing and he makes decision without her consent, and, and so it makes him look like a dink or more evil than or, or, you know, a, 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 or medieval king. <laughs> right, but I guess okay. in the book he's he's considered basically what they say here in Wikipedia, which is a warm, kind, and decent man. And in that scene, you could argue by make him making certain decisions, especially with gender in the modern age of those folks who are watching the show make him most certainly, as you said, Barrett, less sympathetic, while in the book he's very sympathetic and wouldn't do, I guess, that type of action. Now, I'm just quoting what they say. Not, not, no, not I, get, I get what I, you're I, saying, but we we got to be able to discuss what they're saying. And yeah, I, think, I think that, yes, I can see how someone would see that, but I also think that he's also a man in command of a kingdom looking for an heir and it's a huge deal. So the amount of thought he has to put into it, he doesn't have much time and he has to make this huge decision. And at the very end, you can see how horrible he feels for having made that decision. And then the decision is even worse because the child dies anyway. So in the end, I mean, I just, I don't see him being, like I don't feel any evilness now. I think I hate to say this word. It might be triggering for some people because a baby being lost and all that. Um, but and they might be projecting onto this scene. But I don't think that he's a worse person for the way this went down. 
Okay. And that, that's that's a, a fair perspective. Sure. Um, anybody else have thoughts? Well, yeah, I was going to... Go ahead, Sean. Sorry, I apologize. Um, what I thought was part of it is like, because what the story is, is they're trying to get across is that sometimes good people aren't bent for the games of the politics involved. And that to show that he's a, he's a good man, but he has some of the trouble dealing with the politicking and the decision that comes from the politicking. So that sequence kind of, I thought kind of showed kind of the, the empathy for him as well as the tragedy that when he's, trying to do the politicking it backfires terribly because he basically loses his family aside from Renera. so i thought that is at least that's the kind of stuff i was taking from it all right that's a fair perspective too mike you were going to say something i was going to say just from a storytelling perspective um you never give characters anything without a cost and you, the, the goal is to make life as hard for your characters as possible. Never give the audience what they want because that makes for very boring drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the writer, I'm saying the writers could take that scene and they could look at it and they could say what was written in the book, which was a sentence that the queen Emma does died in childbirth. And they could say, what is going to make this the most painful for the character? What is going to make this the most painful for the audience? And so you have a king who is utterly devoted to his wife, unlike many of the kings that we've seen in Game of Thrones, um, (laughs) who is caught between a rock and a hard place in terms of his issue of succession. And he stands at a moment of triumph. He has invited the entire world to his party to announce the birth of his son. And then to put in a position where his wife and child die, that's going to hurt. But can we make it hurt more? And so you have him make the decision for his for to, to choose the life of one over the other and still end up losing them both. And my sense is as a as a leader, he is not a very strong leader. He is not. I think as Barrett said, he's not cut out for these games. Um, and he's not cut out for the Game of Thrones. He's he's. Not a, he's not um, he's going to end up suffering, and I, I again I imagine coming out badly for it. I don't think he's going to be long for the series. <laughs> um, just just would be my guess. Although I think well, he's a good yeah. and honorable man. Um, yeah, and we because there's yeah yeah sorry. I was just going to say because you have the sequence later with Damon saying that he isn't strong enough. He's not saying he's bad. He's just not strong enough. Right. And that's why Damon feels he needs to be part of the process more. But there's also kind of the the foreshadowing stuff of how he keeps getting cut by the throne and giving blood. Yeah. Yep. And so the basically what if you there, I think I've heard something talking about how when the throne was made, it was made that only the true kings can sit in it. Those who are weak, you know, or whatever that happens to, well, to, to mean, will end up harming themselves sitting on the throne. Well, I, I want to say two things. Uh, one, that 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 is, you know, you know uh, uh, folklore, fables, old wives' tales, or whatever. So, 
in this world, yeah, we do know there is some supernatural that happens in this world, but that still could just be rubbish as a tale. So I don't know what that means. And for Damon, I won't go as far and say he's a sociopath, but he's most certainly a narcissist. So he's kind of complex. He's kind of complex. Yeah, but, but Damon's kind of yeah. complex. He he like but, but, you like, see you see a different part of him when they're at the funeral, and he seems to care about his. I guess she's his niece. Yeah, niece. yes, correct. Um, he, I mean, and he he looks genuinely sad in that moment. Yeah. So yeah, but but you know we we we've seen that though with with a lot of villains in in television, right? That that are somewhat gray and can be nice at certain times, but actions, I, I think, are more important than well, than yeah. uh, you know his facial expressions. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> his actions are more important than his words or his facial expressions. I feel. Well, and part of me it, wonders why they're making it that distinct. His, you know, he seems sympathetic there, but when he goes out with the guard, he is not sympathetic. And you're like, this is a bad guy. Yeah. So, I, well, yeah. I, I, well, that that's the thing is that that's why I'm thinking he's not. That's why I didn't use the term sociopath. There's something else that's, or and maybe there's no mental illness at all. Maybe he's not a narcissist. Maybe he's just a, a an asshole. You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's just he's definitely the villain. I mean, I put money on it. Uh, you know, right now on on any you know casino, but so so as a villain, he's going to do bad things, and he already has this episode so you know yeah, again, and when he does when he does that lance thing with that guy's horse and makes the horse go over head over heels oh right. man that pissed me off <laughs> he hurt that horse yeah there, so, there's so, there's there's no reason to believe he's going to go full joffrey on us but uh but, yeah he's the villain he, he's, he's the villain and he's going to be aligned with uh Rainus and uh corwin so uh, against uh, the current regime, I think that's right. that's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, now whether he's truly evil, I mean, I mean, he has done some evil things, so so he's partly evil for sure. But again, this could just be power struggles too, you know, yeah. um, because we, we've seen a lot of people in real history that have been done some bad things and then turned out to be really good leaders you know well, whether it's roman times or whatever but technically he didn't mean, do anything evil he rounded up the bad people and carried out their justice so technically he did things by the law but the way he did it was not so great well this is well, this is again this is the sam tarley line right well why don't we let the people vote on who they want to lead and everybody laughs this is not 21st century america or western right. civilization this is still a medieval world with medieval standards and that means as the queen said to her daughter that the that the child bed is their battleground um that they do not have equality again with men so that's an issue and justice does not mean presumption of innocence it does not necessarily mean a fair trial um you know we saw that even with game of thrones 200 years later that fair trial could simply have meant trial by combat you know um so and let the gods sort it out so again i'm not it's yes if you're if this if this if these things trigger you 
okay, that's good. That's the point. But this yep. is how it used to be. You should but look at this and go, oh, you. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not a good thing. But don't <laughs> take it personally when, they point, when people point out to you that what happened in the past is the shit that happened in the past. And that the story they're telling isn't going to be of this particular world. His goal was not to do a benighted medieval times with that with that's that's a medieval times that has somehow managed to have a premature enlightenment. That's not this world. That's not this story. That's not the story they wanted to tell. And if that's not a story you're going to be able to live with, move along. And that's an absolutely fair point, Mike. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, uh, and not you know, only that, it's a story on TV, so there's going to be bad guys and good guys, and they're going to be usually distinct. <laughs> right. Well, and, and even in Game of Thrones, I mean, obviously, the stocks were, were pretty much good straight through. But they, they, they showed, you know, the mother and, and Rob being jackasses and doing stupid things and and stuff. And then we, they, we saw cool things that were done by Jamie and, 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 and other people that weren't necessarily, and even Daenerys that weren't necessarily, uh, the good guys by any means, you know? So, so it, yeah, it's, it's medieval times. They do things that today we would look at and go, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, I mean, I know back then, right. They, they used to take the prince and they take the princess and they, they, you know, the Romeo and Juliet, you had to marry who they told you to marry. And, and, you know, nowadays that doesn't happen, at least in the United States. But, you know, we, me and Barrett work where we co-work at the same company. Uh, I know some Indian folk who are forced to marry people they just met a week before. And, and this is actually true. This is this has happened with some of the people we know that we work with. And so it still happens. And, and you know, we look at it like that. It's strange. That, it, it, that's odd. But, you know, this is the world of of uh, a fictional time with a fictional world based off of Europe European history in the 14, 13, 1000 AD times where these things oddly happened. And as Mike said, you got to put those things in the perspective of those time periods and not in 2022 in the United States, you know, and, and look at it that way, because then, then, yeah, it's like you said, Mike, move on if, if that's going to bother you, I guess. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me if a show like this made Prince Damon a good guy later in a, in a, a future season, if they go, you know, season two, you know, who knows? You, you just don't know what happens, you know, like Jamie, he became a pretty good character uh, for a while there. And, and then Daenerys turned into one of the worst characters. So it just happens in shows like this, you know, that's just how it is. But I want to think that way. Am I I'm talking nonsense? Opinions? No, you're no, not I think no, the, the show, when it works, when, when you have a good show working well, that's intended, that is a good drama. You should have complicated characters, right? You should have complicated morality. And uh, I think this, this show generally does that well. Um, yeah. or Especially in the time I, period that, that it's based on, right? Right. And let, let me let me let me rephrase that. I think that the Game of Thrones did that well. Yes, you had characters like Joffrey, and oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, uh, Bolton. Yeah, Ru, uh, Roose Bolton, Reese Bolton, Ra- Ra- Ramsey Bolton, Ramsey. Ramsey, Ramsey yeah, Bolton. Yeah, that's it. You know that that were absolute 
total shit burgers. Um, I don't think anyone denies that. And then you get a lot of other characters who are people with well-intentioned, with deep character flaws, um, or who, you know, put, put their priorities on the wrong thing, or just show bad judgment. Right. right. And, or, 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 or bad or loyalty to the wrong characters. You know, like Cersei's going to have wrong. loyalty to her, her children because they're her children. Right. You know? yeah. So there's all sorts of, of aspects to this, and I think you're going to get the same thing here. Um, I think it's interesting that you have this scene. Uh, yeah, you have this. I, I think they do this wonderful job with, uh, with Damon where he's saying – where he's celebrating. Where he, first of all, he, he returns to the to the uh, the Red Keep. He goes to sit on the throne, and uh, he jokes to um, uh, what's her name, Rhaenyra, that they're having a celebration in his honor, and she says it's for the the, the king's heir. And he said, "Right, you know that's me." Um, and so he's having some fun with it. He's clearly ambitious. He's clearly got a taste for power. He enjoys the fact that uh, – celebrates the fact that the, the child dies. And that's a horrible thing, and he suffers for it. But he also goes to his brother and tells him that he's going to watch out for him. He's going to protect him. Now, we don't know enough about the character yet to know if he's just lying his ass off, right? Because he's the younger brother. Odds are the, 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 the king will die at some point. Which, which, by the way, makes me want to bring up another thing. So it makes sense for him to want to be loyal to him, right? To, to just cozy on up to him. He's going to get thrown eventually. It's just a waiting game. Um, right. He makes an argument for the slaughter of people in uh, of the criminals, uh, the butchering of the criminals uh, the night before the tournament, because they basically says, "Hey, you know, King's Landing is you know people are looking at this like it's Times Square in the 1970s," and. Um, you know, people, and it's easy for you people to sit here in your in the keep in your thrones and not worry about the crime there. But the people there are concerned. The people coming, you don't want them. You don't want your guests being raped and, and robbed and murdered. He makes good points. Now he could be completely full of shit. We have known the character for forty five minutes. You know, whatever. I'm not saying that that's he's going to end up being a nice guy all along. But who knows where he's going? Where his real loyalties are going to end up before all is said and done? Right. I think. I think the moment the king, Viserys, said his daughter is going to be the heir, I think that's the moment that D- Damon considered the king a quote unquote enemy. Because at, before that, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. He was looking at it. I'm going to be the heir. It's just a matter of time. I love my brother. I'm going to defend him. I'm going to make sure his kingdom survives. And I'm going to be the strong man for the quote-unquote weakness that he has. But I just got bent over and kicked in the ass because he just screwed me over and said his daughter is going to be the heir and not me. Well, and that and, was part of his problem was that he thought he, in his mind, in his mind, he was going to be the, he is the heir and he's going to take over. So he started showing that and that's what gets him in trouble. And especially when he has the party after the, um, 
Yeah, that, that was the pure. wife and child are dead. Yeah, that, that's that's narcissism to the point of insanity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Otto's so, trying to set him up too, right? He's going to oh, use yeah. everything he can to destroy him so he can strengthen his own position for putting uh, Alicent in But he didn't have right? to do much, right? I mean, he just let him do his own <laughs> stupid shit, and then he got himself into right, trouble. Right. He yeah, just well, had to let him just, know. Yeah, it, it just shows you how stupid and, and idiotic the Damon character is because all he had to do was be solemn and sad and he can think whatever he wants in his mind. You know, you know, it's, it's like when you, you know, you, you are uh, with mixed company and, and the girl looks at the, the guy and says, Oh, I wish I was the, the wife of the, you know, I'd have sex with, with that husband. You know, she wouldn't say that out loud because she ain't stupid. Right. But she could think that. And here, all we had to do was be solemn and not say anything and not be stupid. But instead, he has a party. And it's like, is that a, what a dumbass. It shows his well, lack of playing the game, right? right. And who is he surrounding himself with, right? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it, it, well, it just shows you he's stupid. Because yeah. no matter who he surrounds himself with, if, if he wasn't that much of an egoist or whatever his issue is, he would have been, he would have thought and been intelligent and used logic and says it's abnormal for me to cheer on the death of my brother's wife and kid, even if it does help me. So the best thing is is to say nothing, look solemn and sad, and say I'm sorry this happened, whatever. But know in my heart and mind, okay, I, it may be an evil thought that I'm glad they're dead, but it also helps me out, and that's what but it's also what yeah. it done. If even if a little evil, but he's not smart. He's stupid. He's stupid, but he's also got the resentment built up already. So it's it's all these different yeah. things are creating the perfect storm, and he's not wise enough to see that. Yeah, exactly. That's the word. Yeah. If you don't want to say, if you want to, if you don't want to say stupid, but if you want to say unwise and filled with resentment instead. Absolutely. Well, and he's kind of glorying in his own power at this point, right? He thinks that he's the heir presumptive. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to go out and kill people and make my my uh, impact on the guard. It's all mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, we see this in the real world and not in, in weird things like that. But we see some, you know, a CFO says something stupid because he thinks he's all powerful and I got all the money and all this. And then they get fired. It's like, whoops! What did I? Whoops! If I didn't, I wish I hadn't opened my mouth. You know. And, and, and we also know that in the real world, that if there's a, a, I don't know, a CFO who loses his job or dies unexpectedly, everyone will, will probably say all the right things. But you know, full well that everybody in the position to succeed them will not be waiting a heartbeat. To start putting the, the putting pieces in motion in order to to gain the advantage over their rivals, it, it is just a matter of fact of that of, of being in that sort of a position in this world. And say what you will, and yet uh, Damon is is a blunt instrument. Uh, but Otto Hightower was right there, you know, ready to put his daughter in his wife's dress and yep. scare her <laughs> off to read to read stories that to to the king. I'm, and I'd be willing to bet the story she was going to read to him probably has something to do with a king who lost his wife and married a young woman and had many, many heirs happily ever after. 
Yep. My wife, yeah. my wife went, ooh, and he suggested that to his own daughter. Yeah. If, you had well, any, that, like, that, if you had any questions, that's where I was like, okay, I'm not a fan of this guy. Well, but again, this is also an era where marriage was less Power. of a rom- romance well, thing than it was a political thing. How do you unite our families together? Right. Exactly. How do I uh, gain political advantage? What do you gain? What can I give? What can I get from you? What can you give me? Right. right. What well, can and, I and, give you? Right. And, and you can look at it, you know, similar to uh, uh, Marjorie uh, in Game of Thrones, who married not for love, but for standing because she wanted to be a queen. But she was smart enough to to treat her, her her the person she married you know whether it was baratheon the, the young, youngest baratheon or or even joffrey or even uh who's the the, the third one era but Tommen, you know she 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 played it right so the question is well can uh, Alyssa, who again is in a situation where people can't choose their spouses you know it, i mentioned that uh, back in the day, you know, the, you, you know Romeo and Juliet. That that's why that they were doomed was because they weren't allowed to choose each other. Maybe Alyssa will will be a survivor, or maybe she's like horrified and like, oh my god, my father's going to do this to me, you know. Or she may look and say, well, it, you know, if I'm being forced to be married off, you know, be, being the queen for King Viserys, that may not be a bad thing, you know. So. It depends on how she reacts too, how she will be. Uh, but it's obvious that Otto is most certainly trying to go that route, where he's trying. And to I thought that was good why they showed the stuff with uh, Alicent and Rhaenyra, right? Where you're showing the friendship, and yeah, you can very always, good already yeah, see the friend. cracks. Oh yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, yeah. Of of when you know when she gets to the where she's getting uh, the coronation, well not the coronation, but the the announcement. And you can already feel like that tension yep. between, you know, maybe Rhaenyra doesn't see it, but you can see it in Alicent. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I think Alicent knows what's going on because her father's yeah. trying to set it up. Well, Rhaenyra has no idea. Yeah, no idea. And also, uh, you know, an earlier scene in the episode. Uh, someone, I forget who it was, asked her, what do you think of your father trying to get a male heir? Are you upset about that? Because that person will take over the queen, the, the kingdom over you. And she was like kind of indifferent, whether it was because her life's fine as it is and she just doesn't want that power or doesn't care about that power. Or the moment you become the leader, then the things that you do cause deaths or happiness for thousands and she doesn't want that responsibility. Never mind the fact, like we said, Allison is already in the middle of this quote-unquote um, game, and she knows it. While Rhaenyra is just figuring it out, or, or is about to, to figure it out. Well, and it felt like also there's a little bit of uh, a little hint of Arya in Rhaenyra, where she's more excited about you know, flying her dragon Cyrix than the courtly stuff. And she can't get both Anna and her dad both tried her about, you know, the dragon riding. Right. right you were going to say something. Oh. Well, he's going to add, Mike was going to add to what you were saying, Sean. 
I mean, just the fact that they have her playing the role of the cupbearer, which is the role that Arya played in season two, um, was the cupbearer to the king, right? So they're they're definitely drawing parallels, right? There's that really you have her; she's Arya, and um, Alicent is more um, more Sansa. Alicent is more like I want to be the lady in the court, and she's more traditional from what we've seen. She's nerdy. She likes. She writes a book with her wherever she goes. Uh, where Sansa was more wanting to, to to stitch and sew, whatever. But I think she's she and she doesn't have that. And she's older, so she doesn't have that sort of doe wide oh Geoffrey uh, view of the world. But um, that Sansa did. But yeah, that's basically the tomboy versus the girly girl, right? That's basically where we are with these two friends, right? Well, and also, and this may sound like a weird. Uh, analogy too, but she kind of reminded me of Elsa from the Disney Frozen series in a sense because um, she isn't necessary. I mean, she knows she's now in line to be the, the, the leader and didn't necessarily ask for it or even care about it based off of that line I, I, I just mentioned that she said earlier where they asked her about a potential brother. Um, but I think she's going to be willingly accepting it. And, and okay with it, unlike Arya, who just didn't want anything to do with the court leader. So, tomboyish or, or not, um, I think she's more apt to accept being a ruler and trying to make things good, or, or we're assuming she's a good character, uh, versus Arya, who just wanted to do, really do the, the wayward traveler. You know, yeah, she just wanted her freedom from it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is some resemblance or parallels, but I don't think it's a hundred percent. Especially the position of, of her being now the the new the future leader of the of the, the king. In a way, it's almost like Jennifer Walter. There you go. And there's also this um, the old cliche of the 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 people who are most suited to rule are the ones who do not seek it, right? Yeah. Do not seek power. And so they're yeah. quick. Now, for all we know, she could be a horrible, horrible ruler. She could be, end up being the wise uh, Rhaenyra. I have no idea where they're going with her, and, and I don't really want to know. Um, but this is, again, where they're setting it up. Um, well, I think this... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was, no, I was, I was just going to... Go on, Sean, and I'll bring sorry, up... Sorry, I apologize. I was just going to say that the sequence when Viserys is trying to ask her about... And he's trying to get her on topic about the secession. And um, she's at first concerned more like, you haven't even talked to me in days after we've had this tragedy. And then when he asks her the question, she has the wise answer that... The, the only difference between the Targaryens and the rest of everyone else is the dragons. Oh, yeah, and there's no doubt. The it, only reason Targaryens have any power is because they have the nuclear bomb. But, it, but showing yeah. that she's wise, right? That she is smart. And, you know, and like, uh, that she's uh, aware. Well, this is, this is the interesting thing I, I was going to bring up, which is we know another Targaryen from the original Game of Thrones that everybody forgets, and that's the Meister for the white watch. Amy, I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm. And he was supposed to be King. He was, he was in line to be the next King and he turned it down and he gave it to his brother who went nuts. And 
the thing is, is he he was like kind of like Arya, where he didn't want to have anything to do with it. But unlike Arya, he doesn't want blood on his hands. Arya is right. fine with murdering people and going off on adventures and slaughtering people and whatever. That guy was didn't want to have nothing to do with anything. He just wanted to focus <laughs> on books and intelligence and logic and all that other stuff. But he didn't want to have any machinations and control or any of that crap either. So I think this woman here, the, the princess, is kind of a combination of Arya and Grand Meister from the wall. Yep. Barrett, you gonna say that? something? No, I just laughed because I liked how you put that she's all good with going off and slaughtering people. Just made me well, laugh. That, Sorry. Yeah, well, and that's the <laughs> I don't disagree with I, you. It just made me laugh. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And that's one of the reasons why I never kind of liked Arya was because, I mean, I liked the character and she was awesome, but she wanted to go out and, and do these adventures and, and anytime you do those adventures you're, you're going to have blood on your hands and, and so she was always gray to me uh, even well if and she's not there for her family when they need her most that's true even though even though she did threaten uh, Theon's sister by saying if you, you say anything bad about my brother again I'm going to kill you so that was awesome yeah yeah, awesome. but you're right. She 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 leaves. You're absolutely right. Uh, but anyway, back to, to this season of the prequel. Um, so yeah, so I I, I kind of it's interesting because yeah, a lot of the characters from Game of Thrones, or even this season here, this series here, have options, and it and a lot of it was based off of their own perceptions of what they want or feel is good or bad, rather than what is boasted upon them, in a sense. I, I think that's interesting. Well, and you uh, can feel the queen that wasn't. You can feel the, the the coming storm from that family, that part of the family, with her getting the the in the succession, because that woman wasn't able to become the queen, and now this woman is. That's yes. going to create a lot of bitterness and anger. Yeah, yeah. This is that's an excellent analogy to the real world again, and, and again, I'll use the the, the UK, uh, where you know, like Kate Middleton became, you know, the the princess. And if this was nineteen thirty something, you know, that the King Edward or whatever his name was had to abdicate because he married a commoner. You know, well nowadays no one gives a rat's ass, and then. Right. Uh, also, um, until what seven years ago, uh, it was always the first male heir that became the king of England, but and only a, 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 a female heir would become queen if there's no male siblings. And then Queen Elizabeth changed that seven years ago, whether that she believed it or if it was just the modern thing to do or whatever, you know, who knows the motivation. Now the first and one is always going to be the, the new ruler of the British monarchy, whether it's a male or a female. So things change. And this is, this is a different world. It's not the modern era where no one's going to flip out necessarily like they would back in, in the time. This is kind of, which is kind of more medieval. Uh, but it is a point where a big change happens and it can fluster or frustrate, especially those who were supposed to be in power next, which is Damon, right? And so it is, it is interesting how times are changing, as Bob Dylan was saying, in Westeros 200 years before Game of Thrones. So I think that's kind of interesting aspect. And that's one of the reasons why 
um, we're going to have the civil war of the Targaryens at the beginning of the downfall of the Targaryen family that we see in Game of Thrones and 200 years later. Well, it's sort of like the, uh, you know, they never make adaptations, movies out of the, the, the chapters in the Bible where it's just, you know, Joe begat John, begat Jimmy, begat Joseph, you know, just, it's just, right. that's, that's all the, and then there were just a bunch of people fucking and having children because that's not the important point. You know, we, we just <laughs> fast forward to the, we want to fast forward to the dramatic chapters. And so I imagine there are periods of peace, which we actually just left uh, under the rule yeah, of King Jaharis. Yeah, Jaharis, yeah, that's the same. And nobody, because nobody cares. Nobody wants to see the great uh, Stark Lannister ping pong tournament. You know what it is, Mike? In the real world analogy, it's like President Monroe, who was one of the founding fathers and the greats. But his presidency was so peaceful and nothing happened that everybody forgets him, even though they remember Washington Adams, uh, you know, uh, Jefferson and Madison before him, and Monroe was fifth, you know, and, and everybody forgets Monroe, even though he was probably as important as all those poor guys. So, you're right, Jarrett is kind of boring, because nothing happened, it was all peace, everything was fine. So continue, Mike, I'm sorry to interject, I just wanted to throw up a real-world analogy. So one thing we haven't talked about at all is the joust, the tournament. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah. we, we, we touched on it. And that was another nice, I thought, callback. So things like, again, Harren Hall, the cupbearer, obviously the dragons, um, are all callbacks to Game of Thrones, to things that are familiar from the original series. And the original series also introduced this, I think it was either episode two or three, was the uh, was the, the, the tournament, the joust. And um, how... King Baratheon had gotten into all sorts of debt doing this, but there doesn't seem to be any concern about that here. Uh, but I, I, I did like it, and um, I'm sure some of these players are going to become significant. Uh, the, the, the number one thing was to remind you, in case you missed it, that um, Damon is an asshole. Yep. Um, <laughs> that he's a sore loser and a cheater. Um, you get introduced to, to Kristen Cole. You get introduced to Christian Cole, who they have to spell his name differently because there would be no reason for his name to be Christian in the traditional spelling <laughs> in this world. Um, yeah, so you have introduced to Christian Cole, who took his, takes his helmet off, and everyone's shocked to see he's Dornish. I, how did they know he's Dornish? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. It looked like a white guy with dark hair to me, which, which could have been Baratheon, <laughs> it could have been Stark. Uh, and it's weird. It's been, weird. He could have been a Tully. It's weird. He didn't even have his emblem, right? You would just think they uh, usually they do, right? So I don't. I don't know what yeah. the deal was there. Uh, and he was pledged to the Dun- uh, or to the Dondarians. Uh, there's the somebody in the Tarly family who was like, as soon as he get his, gets his knighthood, you know, that he's going to marry his girlfriend, and you know, the uh, the two are like saying or whispering, well, you know word is that she's already got a bulge beneath her her, her robes um yeah. so she so he better get his knighthood and of course he immediately gets his ass kicked uh in the tournament so he can't win his knighthood that way um i don't know if that's going to come up of so come up again somewhere if that was just you know court tongues wagging um and but right so christian cole seems to be a potential love interest for uh Rhaenyra. And Alicent 
Damon get asks for her favor. So he may I don't know if he did it just to tweak Otto Hightower. Oh, I thought so. <laughs> or does he actually have some designs on her? I think it was I just think to mess with Otto. She's supposed to be the most beautiful woman, so she, I yeah, think every is. man has designs on her. <laughs> right, right. That, the good that thing is, about I was going to oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that is true. Uh, uh, Olivia Cook was picked for a number of reasons because she's a great actress, but also because she's really good looking. And this character in the book, as well as all the information that came out uh, from HBO Max and George R. R. Martin, is she is, as Barrett just said, is supposed to be the most beautiful woman uh, in Westeros. So it would make it could make sense that Damon also wants her because she's good looking because he's horny, but it also could be he is yeah trying to piss off or, or do something with the high towers. Anyway, go on, Sean. Well, I was just gonna say because well, first off, his armor was awesome. Damon's armor, the design was so cool. At least I thought it was. But I also thought this, the the relationship that he has with Mysteria is why I was thinking he doesn't really have any intentions with Alicent. Because he seems to be much more like an actual relationship with Mysteria, even though he's already married. Well, that's a fair point, too. Because, yeah, you're right, right. If, if he's already married... What what does any of this mean, right? Yeah, because yeah. at the end he's being sent back to his wife, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because there's a point where he offers his wife to Otto, right? In his like okay. another more like try to rile him up. And I'm assuming that the wife is who we see him with at the very end of the episode. Um, she didn't seem half bad to me. I mean, he mentions that the sheep were prettier than the women of the Vale. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that's being unfair. Um, and I do like the fact that he's called to account on that and is uh, pledging before the seven to, uh, to honor his wife right after he calls her uglier than a sheep. Um, so I did like that. But he could easily, if he is, if he ends up being a complete scoundrel, he could easily dispatch her. Uh, I have no idea how divorce works in that world. Um but he could decide to trade up, right? But certainly, there's a history of it. Yeah, real world, it's, real world history, I should say. Oh yeah, yeah. Nowadays, it's 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 you know back in those days uh, in real world, it was to trade up to a, a a better family, you know, so you get more money, more land, more whatever. Nowadays, it's to get a more pretty woman, I guess, or, or a younger woman, right? I mean, that's what a lot of uh, CEOs or, or Hollywood actors seem to do. Um, so you're right. Uh, maybe that's what it is, Mike. Maybe maybe he he could move, quote unquote, move up, which would be uh, whatever is considered better in this this era of Westeros. Um, maybe he maybe he'll he'll try to see if she can fly out the moon door. Well, that's what I'm going to say, Mike. You remember <laughs> what? what what uh, uh, Jamie's buddy there? What was his name? The one that was also friends with Tyrion, uh, that became the man of coin uh, at the end of the, the guy that Littlefinger. That, what, what was his name? Littlefinger. 
no, no, the good, the good guy, the, the the guy that was the good guy at the end that became the game, the man of coin. Uh, the guy that was Jamie's right hand man when they fought uh, during the 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 dragon uh, train episode. He shot the the dragon. What the hell? Oh, the the, uh, the Baratheon Bra- son. Was it Bron? Wasn't it? No, Bron. Bron. That's the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, Bron. Uh, oh, right, yeah. right, right, Bron. The yeah, mercenary. So- yeah, yeah, right, right. But but he became, you know, he was what he was. But you remember he was supposed to marry this this woman, and he goes, you know, she's the one that is going to inherit everything, but his sister, her sister's way better looking, so maybe I'll have her have an accident off her horse one day. You know, yeah. so, so, you know, maybe he was just saying that in jest, but the point is, is this guy, Damon, yeah, that he could do that with his wife and then say, oh, I'm just single now. You know, it, because again, we don't know the rules of divorce in this world. So maybe, maybe he'll, uh, you know, have an have his wife have an accident, and and he'll then go after someone of more note, whether it's Allison or or, or whoever. Yeah. But but again, you know, when you get that in that power, you can be like King Henry the Eighth, right, and, and say, all right, I'm changing my religion, and, and I can just divorce. You know, so and then execute some people. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so it, it it happens where, you know, again, this is a time of change, right? A woman is now given the the in line to the throne over over the heir presumptive. So things are a changing. So who knows what what could happen to any character here in any marriage? You know, so. We'll have to see. But you're right. I mean, it is interesting. He's he's married. Uh, he's looking at Alicent. He's looking at Masaria. And and so who knows? It, it's I, I, I'm I'm completely lost where, where that's going. He um, probably doesn't know either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, what else do we want to discuss? Is there anything else? Are, are we missing anything on, on anybody's list? Well, it's awesome to see uh, Cyrix in the dragon from Rhaenyra, and then Caraxes, uh, who's uh, Damon's dragon. And it's interesting how the like Cyrexis has the yellow and seems kind of more beautiful, I guess. And then whereas Caraxes, you can kind of see is a war dragon, which seems to fit Damon quite nicely. And I thought yeah. it was interesting. Um, if you look at, uh, I don't know if it's because he's older or just because it's his unique design, uh, but Caraxes has like these extra fins on his hind yeah. legs. Yeah. But I thought were really a neat visual flourish. Yeah, and also we don't know, right, how dragons work in this world either. Because, you know, when we saw Daenerys and her three eggs, what, the three eggs were three different colors or something. And, you know, they all had their distinct look and stuff. And we don't know in this world if it's like, you know, the game Dungeons and Dragons. And I assume a lot of folks who watch this show may, may be familiar with that game. There's all sorts of dragons, right? There's red dragons, green dragons, black dragons, you know, on and on and on. So I wonder if they're just different species. Of dragon? Oh well, we had seen red, gold, and uh, black, right? For or was it red, green, and black? Yeah, it was green. I for, think green for for um, Daenerys, right? For Daenerys, right? Gold makes perfect sense, but they all they don't seem to be significant. I mean, significantly different in terms of their 
yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're right? They, they yeah, they all breathe fire. They all have a unique look to them, right? They, but we don't know all, like every because that was from the one litter, the one batch, right? So right. well, we don't, we don't, we don't know. We don't know, right? We were never told if those three eggs were from the same batch. They were just That's three true. eggs that were collected that were just sitting there for years, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, there, were, there were three petrified eggs that were brought back to life. One day, right. and, uh, and and they feel like siblings, similar to you know when you buy three cats with three dogs and you bring them home, and, and they grow up together, and they just feel like they're siblings, you know. Right. But I think they were saying that we're supposed to see nine dragons alone in the first season, and then there's twenty dragons in the story. So we've only nice. seen two of the dragons right now. Right. And yeah, and that, makes, that kind of makes sense because we, we're assuming there's a lot of Targaryen. Uh, cousins, right, that aren't going to be important to this story, so we may never see a lot of this dragon. And there's wild dragons, too. Yeah, okay. See, that's interesting, is, and this is where I'm curious because I, I think I said this two hours ago with the start podcast, is that I hope there's more to this world that's fantastical besides the dragons. Because to begin with the dragons in, in Game of Thrones, we we build up to every year they got bigger, every year they got more powerful, so there's this sort of dramatic build-up to them. We're here, we're starting with full-fledged dragons. Right? You're yep. starting with your foot down on the accelerator. Yep. I'm curious where they're gonna go from here. Right? I don't I'm not saying I want it necessarily by the end of the season. Um I don't know how many seasons they're thinking this show will run. Uh, but I'm just curious if there will be something new, or at least new to us, if not necessarily bigger or better, and that just different to to add that 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 magical element to it as yeah, we go along. Yeah, well, yeah that, that's, that's fair because that, that's fair because you know in the Game of Thrones we had the, the Red Witch and that magic. We had the 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 white and the and the others or white walkers whatever you want to call them the night king Gondarian, the faceless man um, yeah but the, it comes back to life and the flaming sword yeah yeah, yeah. so there so are there that, are other the giants are. oh the giants yep yep that's another good one yep yep excellent so, yep. and oh and, and the giant wolves right the the wargs or whatever the dire, wolves. The dire wolves so yeah. so, so, let, so I'm just saying I'd like to see a little bit more. I hope there's more flavor and variety given to us as the series progresses through its run. Right. Oh, and, and we also had Daenerys who didn't burn in fire, right? I mean, so, so yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. Now, you were going to say something, Sean. Sorry, I was just going to say, because from what I was trying to familiarize myself before, you know, the series started, was just talking that the, the dragons are going to be different kinds and different abilities, so some will be very fast and some will be, you know, built for war. Some will be very big. And there's one dragon that actually is one of the oldest dragons that's remaining from the previous era that we will get to meet. So there's there's diversity in what we will see for the dragons. So, so dragons are similar to... I guess tortoises, I guess. So, so they live a really long time, longer yes. than human. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. And then there's the, uh, I think the last thing that we haven't touched on is when uh, Viserys chooses, uh, chooses her as his heir, he 
reveals to her the Song of Ice and Fire, the prophecy of the, um, what was it again? Of the, the prince the who was promised. Yeah, in the long. The night prince who was promised in the law in the return of the long night, and I thought that's a weird thing to do, because if I am a if I am someone who had never seen Game of Thrones, I am thinking this is a setup for my series that I'm watching now, and not a callback to a thing that's going that that has already happened and we've seen play out. So um, I'm hoping nobody gets their hopes up. Uh, if you want to know how that all plays out, then please go watch Game of Thrones. Oh, so, hold up. so, Mike, repeat this once more. Uh, explain what, uh, a little better. Let me, let me hear what you're talking about. Go ahead. I, he I explains to her the the the, uh, the prophecy of one of the was it Eris or whoever it was had the vision, which is where the prophecy of the prince who is promised, yeah, and the long night returning, which is what we all saw uh, play okay. out in the Game of Thrones. That's a Game of Thrones storyline that he's basically telling. Yeah. Telling her about. So, do you think that was just uh, a Rhaenyra's. wink and a nod? Do you think that was just a wink and a nod to fans of the of the series, you know, an Easter egg, or do you think it's something else? Well, I, I don't think it's anything other than that. I don't know if anything's going to come of that, but I'm just hoping that anyone who is, for some reason, a new viewer, isn't yeah. going to be thinking that that's going to be something we're going to see on this show because right. that ain't that ain't happening for another 170 years. Yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly, and 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 that was that's that's a fair point. So, so for folks who are watching this show who aren't familiar with Game of Thrones, I mean, they haven't watched Game of Thrones. This is more of a wink and a nod to Game of Thrones, and not uh, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in this series. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Um, let's see. Anything else anybody want to bring up? We've been recording for about an hour and 57 minutes. I don't know if there's anything else that anybody wanted to bring up before we wrap it up. Anything? All right. I guess maybe that's it. Uh, so, uh, once again, email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com and put in dragons in the subject line or just go to darkdiscussions.com and choose the contact us menu choice and a box will fill appear first appear and then you can fill that box out and send it and again put dragons in the subject line and we will read your emails on the podcast uh now uh we can get oh and uh, we're going to try to get all these episodes out by wednesdays following each episode uh this this one here will probably not appear until thursday uh because again i'm right on the Quebec border in New Hampshire on vacation and won't be back home in Southern New Hampshire until uh, Wednesday late. And so I'll have this episode out on the 25th of August, uh, but going forward, we'll have it by Wednesdays, not Thursdays. Uh, so I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this episode to wrap it up. Uh, so I guess I'll start this time. Um, yeah, I think it's a good start. Um, I think this one is much more obvious who at least the characters we see on screen anyway who is going to be what you know who's going to be weak who's going to be uh villainous who's going to be uh the the person who least wants the power maybe the best and you know that. so, so we, we see that it's much more clear cut than game of thrones was um so i don't know if that hurts it's it's uh 
newness feel, if that makes any sense. Uh, but all in all, uh, it was a great start. Um, it, it isn't the series I wanted to see. Again, I wanted to see the, the Nightwalkers creation, all the long night and all that. And as Mike mentioned, that's what he seemed to prefer to. But what we got uh, so far, is, it's it's pretty, pretty solid. And looking forward to uh, the next episode. Mike. Yeah, I what I'm really liking about this is the setup of the uh, and the political maneuvering. Uh, I, I, well, I'm somebody who mostly enjoyed the way Game of Thrones wrapped up. Uh, after about season six, the, the the political characters like Viserys and Tyrion and Littlefinger didn't really have a whole lot to do because all that political stuff fell by the wayside. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the series. And it looks like we're going to have a, at least for this season anyway, a bit more of that. And so I'm very excited about that. I'm surprised at how excited I was and happy I was with how this episode played out. And so, yeah, I'm already eagerly looking forward to episode two. All right. Sounds good. Barrett. Yeah. I really liked this episode. Like Mike, I really liked the political machinations going on. Um, I think it was a good opener, and I hope it maintains this. I'm looking forward to the next episode. All right, sounds good. Sean? I really absolutely loved it. I loved being pulled back into the Game of Thrones world and to get that feel of the stuff that made me fall in love with Game of Thrones and to see it sprinkled throughout the first episode gives me hope that maybe – Aside from the, some of the stuff with the showrunners in the first Game of Thrones series, that maybe this one will be able to be consistent throughout. So we shall see. Yes, and it is good to see Game of Thrones back, um, no matter what some folks may feel about. Um, I guess its conclusion. Uh, it was a it was a great world, great series, and. Um, it was missed when it disappeared and to see it start and come back, even with new characters that we're not familiar with, um, is pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, right there with you, Sean. Uh, so, uh, that's pretty much our episode today. Uh, again, emails if you want, and we will read your emails on the podcast and, uh, that's all we got. So I think we can wrap it up. So, uh, Mike, why don't you lead us out? Hi, thanks uh, once again for listening to, I think it's Decimation of Dragons. Indeed. So Decimation of Dragons, because Deci means 10 and there are 10 dragons. But um, <laughs> but thank you for listening. And uh, I hope we didn't bore you too much. And hopefully uh, we, we can keep it a little more focused next time now that we've got a lot of this introductory stuff out of the way. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this journey and I hope you follow us along with it.